be walking through uh, the book of 1 John. We just read the very first chapter that we'll look at in more detail. Most scholars believe that uh, the book of 1 John was written by John, one of Jesus' apostles who also penned the Gospel of John, where we find the record of Jesus' life. And while we don't know exactly who this letter was written to, because there's not a specific audience named in this powerful letter, what we do know from the context of the letter itself are some primary reasons or purposes for which John was writing. I think first and foremost, John was writing to point people back to true faith in Jesus. And we'll see that throughout the book, chapter by chapter. And secondly, he was writing to combat some of the false teaching of the day. And even uh, this morning, we'll look at some of what that false teaching was and how John is writing to clarify and to clear that up. And thirdly, I think John is ultimately writing to call people back into true fellowship with God. And that is certainly the theme of this first chapter that we are going to look at more closely together this weekend. Now, as as John shares, he's writing primarily to probably followers of Jesus, and yet followers of Jesus that had blown it, and probably followers of Jesus that perhaps were struggling or maybe giving up faith or wrestling with sin or perhaps that had even been led astray by some of that false teaching that was prevalent in the day. But I think what John writes, especially in this first chapter, uh, has something to say to every single one of us, even those of us that might be in the room just kind of exploring faith or maybe you're even skeptical of faith. And so I hope that we can just lean in to what John has to say uh, for all of us today. And as, as he lays out this first chapter, I find really a, a pattern or a, an, an outline of sorts. It seems like he begins talking about the goal, and we'll, we'll talk more about what, what that is. And secondly, he'll, he points out a problem with that goal, and then finally, he will bring us to a solution. All right? So first, the goal, it begins in verses 1 through 4, and John enunciates it this way as he writes. He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. So he's saying that Jesus is eternal, and whom we have heard and seen. He says, we saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. Now, some of the false teaching of the day was saying that Jesus was just a spirit being, that he wasn't truly God in human form, that he had not taken on human flesh. And so when John writes this, he's saying, no, I want you to understand very clearly that Jesus is real. He says, I've heard him, I've seen him, and I've touched him. You know that saying, uh, I've got to see it to believe it? Well, John is saying, we've seen it, and we believe And he's writing to then proclaim this to others. I think sometimes we forget that the the Bible, it's a historical book. And and John's writing in 1 John is an eyewitness account, somebody that had walked and lived with Jesus. And so his words have something to say to us that that we can bank on. He walked with Jesus. He truly experienced Jesus. And look at what John goes on to write 
about Jesus. He says he is the word of life. This one, he says, who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And then he takes it a step further and says, we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. So John says, listen, this one that we've experienced, that we've looked at and seen and touched ourselves, he is life. He's the center of life. He's the purpose of life. His words bring life and He is the source of eternal life, not just a life here and now, but a forever kind of life. He's the life that all of us are looking for. In the fourth century, Augustine made this famous statement. He said, our hearts are restless. And what what Augustine, I think, was saying is that There is this deep down need within every human being to discover what real life is, what our real purpose is, what we were truly created for, and that we are restless until we figure out truly what that is. And we see that restless all around us, don't we? We see it in our own lives. We search for life and, and meaning and purpose and fulfillment in, in our work until we work hard and try to accomplish much. Or we look for our meaning and purpose in the things that we have, that which we accumulate in our stuff, hoping that it will bring us meaning and significance and purpose. Or we, we search for real life in our relationships or in how we look, in our outward appearance, and we're, we're striving, aren't we? It's like we're on a treadmill running after, chasing after, looking for this real life purpose. We're running hard, but we're getting nowhere. And I love how Augustine finishes his quote. He says, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you, God. This is the rest and the life that John is writing about, that he discovered. A true experience with Jesus. And it changed everything for John. And it changed everything for the other disciples that were journeying with Jesus. And it has the potential to change everything for you and me today. And John writes about this fellowship that that he was experiencing. And he's proclaiming it to those that were that we're listening, and his words proclaim it to you and I this weekend. And look at what he goes on to say in verse 3. We proclaim what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. Remember, he's reminding us he was really there. He touched Jesus. He saw Jesus. But why? Why is he proclaiming it? So that you may have fellowship with us. John was saying some of the people of that day, even some followers of Jesus, were missing out on real fellowship. And he was calling them back into true fellowship. And it wasn't that he just wanted you know, everybody to be close to him and hang out because they had you know, just a cool thing going. Look at what he says. He says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John was saying, listen, the reason I'm proclaiming all this to you is because I want you to experience what we have experienced. 
And this is why we exist as a church. Unapologetically. We want you to have this experience. We want you to know Jesus the way that John knew Jesus and the way that many of us here have come to know him and experience him. He's real and he changes lives. And John is inviting the people into this. He's calling them back to true fellowship. That that word fellowship means to have something deeply in common, a, a common experience or a common possession, a common experience and possession of Jesus himself. That's what John is writing about. But there's a problem. Though we were all created for this incredible relationship, and John wants to invite all of us into that kind of Unique, beautiful, powerful, life-changing connection with the God of the universe, there's a problem. There's something that gets in the way of that. It's why not everybody is experiencing this incredible life that Jesus has called us to. And that's what he addresses in the next couple verses. Verse 5, he says, This is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light And there is no darkness in him at all. When John uses this light and darkness metaphor, we see it throughout the scriptures. Light most often refers to uh, holiness or a purity or a righteousness. And so when John says God is light, he's saying God is holy, God is righteous, God is perfect, God is pure. And he says, and therefore there is no darkness in him at all. In other words, there is no impurity or unholiness or unrighteousness in God. Now, the problem with this is that elsewhere, John says these words. He says, and what fellowship does light have with darkness? Implied answer, none. That's the problem. God is light. He's pure, holy, righteous. And we're not. We know ourselves. We know our thoughts. We know our imperfections. And so John goes on and he says, so we're lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, yet we go on living in spiritual darkness. He says, therefore, we're not practicing the truth. Now, this is a problem. God is light, and and he's saying, We can't say that we're good with God living in the light while we're dabbling in the darkness. And and we try to do this, don't we? We try to, we want the best of both worlds, don't we? We we want, we want, we try to straddle the light and the darkness. We want to, you know, be good with God, but we want to be close with God. And yet we want to do what we want to do. And we we enjoy the darkness. What what John here is talking about is not perfection. Okay? Because if he was talking about perfection, we'd never make it. And that's why he's trying to get his readers to admit to be honest, that they're not perfect, that they have blown it. 
And when he says it's when we go on living in spiritual darkness, what John is talking about is a, a pattern that develops in our life. It's not just a, you know, one-time whoops. It's, it's not just a, oh, you know, I, I, hey, I got angry and I lost my temper and I said something I shouldn't have. Living in the darkness is having an anger problem that's rooted deep within our souls and that anger continues to come out and spill out on the people that we love on a regular basis. If that's the case, we're not living in the light, we're living in the darkness. It doesn't mean, you know, oh, we said something about someone that we know we shouldn't have and we owned it and made it right, but... On a weekly basis, we're in the workroom or out with the girls or, you know, and, and, and we're just fueling the fire of gossip because somehow we get something out of it and we feel included. And when we do that on a regular basis, we're not living in the light. We've stepped into the darkness and it's become a part of who we are. And John is writing to his readers and he's writing to us to say, this should not be. We can't say we have fellowship with God while we're living just the opposite. Some signs that we might not be living in the light. Maybe we're hiding things from, from the ones that we love. Or maybe we aren't being completely honest with others about our life or about our real struggles. We're just trying to conceal things in the darkness. Keep things undercover. Or maybe it means we're habitually, like we talked about, doing something that we know is not right. And John's saying, we can't have both. So what do we do? <laughs> what's, what's the solution? Well, I see it in verses 7 and 9. Beginning in verse 7, John says, listen, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we'll have this fellowship. We'll have this shared, common experience that results in closeness with God, closeness with others, and ultimately the blood of His Son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. When we live in the light, there's this continual cleansing over our lives, but the problem is we aren't all living in the light. So what do we do when we've stepped into the darkness? Or when something has gotten a hold of us and it's kind of dragged us away from the light. Well, verse 19 uh, of the Gospel of John. John elsewhere writes that really we kind of avoid the light. He says God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. Because their actions were evil. And the light exposes What's in the darkness? I was thinking about this, you know, as, as a child, I was afraid of the dark. But I think as we grow into adulthood, adulthood, we become afraid of the light. Because the light exposes us. Man, we work so hard to just hide and conceal and put up a front. And that's not how God wants us to be. You know what, that's not how we as a church want to be either. We don't want to just hide behind our Sunday smiles. One of our core values here at the chapel is to be authentic, to be real. 
But the tagline that we put with this is so incredibly important that we're real people, but we're real people in process. In the process of continually coming into the light. That, that when, when the light of Jesus shines something in our, in our lives and we realize it's wrong, that we've been living in a pattern or a way that's not honoring to Jesus, that we're, we don't just keep being real about it. Well, that's just me. It's just who I am. No, God doesn't want to leave us there. He wants to bring us into the process of life change. But that will never happen if we stay in the dark. It only happens when we step into the light of Christ. And that leads us to probably the most hopeful verse in the New Testament to me. 1 John 1, 9. It is God's invitation and it is His promise. John writes, but if we confess our sins, that is if we come clean, if we, if we step out into the light, if we quit hiding everything in the darkness, if we confess our sins to Him, bring it to God, He is faithful and just and He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. This is our greatest need. Lord, I need you. How I need you. God is not asking us for perfection. He's calling us up to that. In fact, in John chapter 2, he begins it this way. He says, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But then he says, but when you do... (laughs) You have an advocate that is on your side, Jesus, the righteous one. So this is not an excuse card to live how we want to live and just keep back coming back and confessing. No, that's actually living in the darkness because we're choosing to keep going back there. But living in the light is stepping into God's grace and confessing our need, admitting our fault, and saying, I need you. Change me. Give me your life again. In other words, living in the light is not living or walking in perfection, but it is walking in confession. And and John was writing to point people back to true faith in Jesus. He was writing to let people that wondered, well, was Jesus really God? Did Jesus really show up as a man? And he was writing to let them know, listen, I was there. I saw him. I heard him. I talked to him. I touched him. This is real. And this one that I saw, he is real life. And he wrote to say, hey, I want you to know that what we've experienced, we want you to experience as well. A closeness with the Creator through a relationship with Jesus that begins and continues in a life of confession. Jesus, I needed you yesterday, and I will need you today. That's what he's inviting to us. I don't know where you're at in your own spiritual journey. Maybe you're here, and you've never called out to Jesus. Take John's word for it. He was there. He saw him. He touched him. He's saying he's real, and Jesus is life. And maybe 
Maybe you need to step into the light for the very first time in your life. And God's promise from his own word is there's nothing that you have done that will keep him from loving you, forgiving you, and giving you a new start. And for those of us in the room that we've called out to Jesus and we've been doing life with him for many years, but maybe it feels like there's just something missing, that something has gotten in between. And we know God, we believe in God, but we don't feel close to him. And could it be that we've been trying to straddle this life with one foot in both worlds? And Jesus is saying, come into the light again. Don't conceal anymore. Come to me, and I'll make you right again. You pray with me. Lord, thank you that your word is so relevant to, to who we are and where we are. And God, I pray that you would help us to more and more step into your light, to not be afraid of the light. A light that will draw us in with your grace and mercy and forgiveness. So wherever we are today, God, would you help us deep within our souls take a step forward? Thank you that you meet us where we're at but you don't want to leave us there. We ask this in the gracious, loving name of Jesus, the Savior, the light of the world. Amen.